0: Today I give you my blessing to all of you who have gathered here. Um, most of you are from Melbourne and the surrounding areas. Uh, this is an opportunity that myself and other Sangha members have come travelling to Australia at this time to visit you all. You will have faith and interest in the practice of Dhamma. We have a faith, a belief, a confidence in the enlightenment of the Lord Buddha. Once we have such faith, such confidence in the Buddha and his teachings, this gives rise to very skillful states of mind. This is partly something we've inherited from our ancestors, previous generations who've handed down the teachings to us. Importantly, this sata or this firm confidence in the Buddha and his teachings makes the mind very firm, solid. We also have um, confidence and sata in Ajahn Kanyano and the Sangha here at Buddha Bodhivana Monastery who have helped to establish and build up this monastery and practice here on a regular basis. The Sangha here has built and completed this Ubosata Hall that we're sitting in. Essentially this is a place where ordinations of new Sangha members, new monks, can take place. It's also a place where we can practice meditation and listen to the Dhamma. And this is necessary in our life because really our minds and hearts are the most important part of life. Any happiness or suffering that we experience arises in our minds. So the Lord Buddha taught us a way, a method to develop our minds skillfully for our own progress and happiness. And in the beginning we base this this development and training on the practice of the five precepts. Uh, The precepts um, represent our sila. Sila means morality or ethical behaviour but it also means in another sense, um, it refers to a kind of rock and all rock is something that is solid, hard, firm, And you can look at the role of morality and the precepts in our practice as a foundation, a firm foundation for the development of the mind. Without such a firm foundation, it's very difficult for us to progress in other aspects of the Dhamma. So this practice is what brings value to the mind, to our life. And it begins with these five precepts. You can see in the world there are many, many people living here but very few actually try or are able to maintain these five precepts as guidelines, ethical guidelines for daily living. It's something one has to practice with, train with. Um, And so when we see the value of this then we take the opportunity such as today when we have a public holiday to come together at this monastery to practice, to train and develop ourselves in the Dhamma. Why do we do this? Because the mind is something that is conscious and aware and it's constantly receiving sense impressions, sense sense objects all the time through its senses. We have what we call the six ayatana, the sense bases. We have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and the mind. And then we have the six ayatana, external ayatana, the objects that these sense bases contact from moment to moment through our day, through our life. So our eyes are constantly seeing forms, ears, hearing sounds and so on. All of these sense impressions that we receive stir up our hearts and minds. They stir craving. They bring up emotions and mental states of liking and attachment, disliking, different kinds of suffering and confusion arise from all these sense impressions. So we have to learn how to practice uh, to develop more skill within ourselves to deal with this. So when we come to practice Dhamma, we're noticing how our mind is stirred and moves with the kilesa, the different mental defilements that we've stored up in our minds. This is why we have to practice bhavana, mental cultivation, the development of mindfulness and clear comprehension and insight through meditation. We use the precepts, the eight precepts, as our foundation today. We're using them as a way just to limit our concerns with other activities. Uh, we are not working today, we are just eating food in the first part of the day, and so on. Keeps our lifestyle today very simple so that we can have more time and energy available to direct our mind to the development of mindfulness. We have to really dedicate ourselves to this practice of developing mindfulness in all postures. We're doing this so that we can get to know ourselves better. So that we can get to know our own thoughts and moods from moment to moment. And to do this we have to keep establishing this quality of mindful awareness to know ourselves. Uh, We have to know from moment to moment is there a mental state uh, based in any form of greed or anger or delusion present in the mind? Or are these qualities absent from the mind? We know that with mindfulness. If a mental state of greed, anger or delusion arises, why does it arise? Where does it come from? If it fades away, why does it fade away? We're noticing and recognizing how these moods condition the mind, how they affect the mind, and they make the mind, the experience we have in our minds, they go in different ways. Most of all we're noticing how all these different mental states that arise and pass away are just temporary, impermanent mental states. We say, or we reflect that they are Anicca Dukkha anatta, meaning that they are impermanent, impermanent, unsatisfactory, and without self, without owner. None of these mental states last or endure. Uh, They cannot last in their nature. They just arise and pass away. They're they're changeable, subject to change. We can't find any lasting sense of self, any kind of permanent self or being or owner in these mental states. So it's the practice of mindful awareness directed to our own minds that reveals this truth to us. We see that our own mind states arise and pass away. Without mindfulness we tend to attach to all these what we call jitta-sankhara, mental conditions in the mind. We attach to them and this sense of self arises, grasping at them and this is where suffering, the experience of suffering comes from. If our mind thinks in a negative way, then we suffer. With the development of mindfulness though, we can see that there is no real self in that mental state, that negative mental state. There's no person there. As we have this kind of insight, it allows the mind to let go and release its attachment and it comes to a state of emptiness. Rumpur gave the example Uh, with this. He said when you go to the market to buy fruit, for instance, most kind of fruits you buy, they have some skin, some rind, sometimes quite thick rind around the fruit. You buy it and then you carry it home. It's not that you want to eat the skin or the rind of that fruit. When you get home you peel it and you eat the uh, succulent part inside and throw away the skin but still you made use of the skin, you carried it along until you got home and then you threw it away when you peeled the fruit. Uh, It's like that when you're contemplating the mind. Uh, Or similarly to say eating fish. When you eat a fish, you don't eat the whole of the fish, you discard the bones and the tail and just eat the flesh. It's like that with our own mind. We're developing the skill of Developing those wholesome, skillful qualities of mindfulness and wisdom and discarding all the other more useless or negative states of mind. So to do this we have to keep developing mindfulness and insight to come to see the mind as the mind or the mind in the mind. Thought is just thought without uh, any sense of taking ownership of the mind or the thoughts that arise in the mind. To do this we practice following up, keeping close watch over the mind, guarding over it with the quality of mindfulness and clear comprehension. Sometimes doing this, the mind will gradually become very still and quiet and peaceful. And this is because the mindfulness is continuous and this state of Stillness we call samadhi, where the mind becomes very firm and doesn't move anywhere. It's at this point that insight can arise and we can see that the mind and its objects are separate things. The mind or the quality of the knowing of mindfulness is one thing and the object that is known, the mental state or the sense impression, is another thing. and We can see that separation. Normally the mind is deluded by all the different sense impressions and mental states stirred up by them. It runs after them, gets caught up in them, mixes with them and gets lost. But today we're coming to practice mindfulness, clear comprehension, uh, to do it a lot, to develop this quality of inner knowing. We are developing the external part of our practice support to support this. So, we're learning to speak little, just speak what is useful, uh, to avoid too much socializing, say, to establish mindfulness in each posture and each activity through the day. Say, so when we have our food and drink, to be aware of what we're doing with mindfulness and the more mindfulness we develop we can see this is the result of our practice this practice of developing mindfulness is beneficial and useful for all the other aspects of our dhamma practice and for even leading any leading any for any aspect in our in our daily life whether we're in the monastery or at home or at work it's always beneficial to be developing mindfulness. The more we bring up this state of uh, the knowing, awareness, or mindfulness, this also gives rise to sampajanya, clear comprehension, a clear understanding of what we're doing at any one time. And this in turn supports the arising of wisdom, insight into the true nature of things. Insight is knowledge of the Dhamma, it's knowledge of truth. It's the kind of knowledge that helps us to uproot our attachments and kilesa, the mental defilements. That kind of knowledge we call Lokutara Panya, the insight knowledge that transcends the world it leads to the changing, uh, our mind changes its view of things, of, of this body, this mind, and the world and starts to come in line with the truth. Once our mind sees the truth, meaning sees the Dhamma, then we also see the Buddha, The one who sees the Buddha sees the Dhamma. It's this method of practice that will lead us to develop correct insight into the true nature of reality. And so it's as if we're finding or coming to see the Buddha in our own mind. This means that with this kind of insight we're seeing through the conventional appearance of reality. Samuti-sacca, just the assumed or conventional appearance of reality is broken through and as the mind transcends this by developing mindfulness and insight into the impermanent, unsatisfactory and selfless nature of phenomena, (coughs) it will come to see and view reality correctly. The mind comes to see that this body and the mind is not, not a self, not a being, a person. The body is made up of the four physical elements, earth, air, fire and water. These are temporary conditions that come together to create a human body but then disband, disperse later. Developing this kind of insight frees the mind from the fetters that bind it to the world, to the delusion. Um, The first three fetters that are abandoned are Sakaya Ditti just the self-view, the view, viewing of this body and mind, or the five candas as a self. Sila baramasa the taking up of wrong practices, or practices that don't lead to the development of insight, to, to Nibbāna. And the abandonment of doubt, skeptical doubt, uncertainty about the practice, what is the method of practice. These first three fetters are abandoned through this kind of insight. So, as we see through this delusion or the deluded view of self, uh, it means, say, for instance, when our eyes see a form, we are no longer just caught into the immediate delusion of I see, I am seeing, or our ears hear a sound, we are not caught into the immediate delusion of uh, I am hearing. There's a sense, there's a clear awareness, a clear understanding that there is seeing going on, there's hearing, but there is not a person who is seeing or hearing. From this, then all our other deluded views about people will start to fade away. Say, this person is good, this person is bad, I like this person, I don't like that person, and so on. Start to fade away when, when the view of self, Sakai Aditi, fades away. So this practice is helping us to uproot our deluded view of the world and our experience. Wherever we are we have to learn how to do this practice and it, it's a whole system of practice. It's a system of training beginning with dhāna, the practice of generosity, the development of sila keeping the precepts, living in a moral way and then the development of bhāvanā, cultivating the mind in and developing mindfulness and insight. We support the religion then, when we see the value of the practice and, 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 and practicing in this way we start to support the religion. So we, for instance at this monastery, Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery, we come together to support the monastery, to build it, to give up our time and energy and resources to help build the monastery up as a place for practice. This helps us to overcome perhaps our most coarsest uh, selfish, selfish attachment to say, material things and to time. Then, as we develop our practice we see more and more the value of following the five or the eight precepts to further refrain uh, our, our, ourselves from a more selfish and uh, deluded kinds of behaviour. And from this it supports the development of more refined mindfulness and clear comprehension which develops into a really strong practice in the mind, strong mental practice of mindfulness and clear comprehension which gives us uh, the ability to start to overcome the five hindrances, these negative qualities which keep blocking and obstructing the arising of wisdom. That is, sensual desire, Uh, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and agitation and sceptical doubt. These five hindrances or negative states of mind start to get filtered out through the presence of mindfulness and clear comprehension. Over and over again as the five hindrances arise, the the mind sees them as negative, obstructive mental states and abandons them. More and more we learn to dedicate our efforts and our energy to the practice to develop these skillful, wholesome states of mind and to abandon the unwholesome states. This is what we call right effort, effort, Samarwayama. So we're here today in the monastery to practice with the Sangha together to help us develop our, our right view, our correct view of truth to further our practice of the Eightfold Path. We are aiming to develop skillful right view of reality through the development of insight to counter our accumulated and habitual wrong views of the way things are. In short, to abandon the attachment or the fetter of Sakaya Ditti, uh, self-view, sila Bhatta where we um, might take up wrong modes of practice and rituals that lead to, don't lead to nirvana, and to abandon Kicha sceptical doubt, uncertainty about the path. As right view develops, these three fetters are abandoned, and this is what we call the path of the sotapana, the stream-enterer, the first stage of enlightenment. It's where the practice of all the eight factors of the path come together in the mind, to help the mind completely abandon uh, defilement, the defilements of these first three fetters, what we call Samucceda Bahana as complete final uprooting of wrong views, where the mind can see clearly through Samuti Satcha, the conventional reality that we're normally lost in, and attain Vimuti, a true liber- liberation through insight where the mind can see that this body is just a collection of the four elements coming together. The mind itself is made up of the mental candors, also without a self in, or ownership. We might have this insight temporarily at first, which leads to a temporary state of freedom or emptiness in the mind, where it lets go of its attachments, what we call Tatanga Imuti, temporary liberation of mind. And this gives us some insight into what we have to do to practice, to develop the path. We, have to, we can see uh, where we've come from, we can see where we're going in, in the practice of the path and then it's a matter of using the confidence, the experience we gain in the practice to keep, uh, keep going, to keep inspiring ourselves to do it more, to practice more, to go deeper into our practice. Of course it's natural when we begin meditation, there will be some periods where we just have a lot of mental agitation, restlessness, doubt and worry and so on. But the important thing is to keep going, keep practicing and contemplating to see the nature of this body as not self. It's just made up of these four elements of earth, air, fire and water. And that their nature is bound to change and ultimately just to disintegrate This is a correct view of the body. So in summary, uh, we've come here today to develop this practice of mindfulness. And this practice of mindfulness is an ongoing practice through the day, through the routine of this one day retreat. We're developing mindfulness of the body, meaning mindfulness of our posture, whatever activities we're involved with whether it's sitting meditation, walking meditation, standing, we practice mindfulness. Whether we're eating, we're drinking, and so on, we practice mindfulness. And similarly, we're practicing mindfulness of the mind itself, the mental states that are arising, the thoughts that are arising, to see their impermanent nature, unsatisfactory nature, and the lack of self in them. When we're sitting meditation we can use Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, this technique to develop mindful awareness of each in and out breath and at the same time to recognize the impermanent nature of our thoughts and feelings arising and passing away all the time. So externally we're using the eight precepts to train our body and our speech to be restrained, to be mindful, then internally we're developing mindfulness and insight into the four foundations of mindfulness to see with mindfulness the body as just the body, feelings as feelings, mind as mind, dhamma or phenomena as phenomena without attaching to any of them as a sense of self. So please put effort into your practice today. Use your time wisely. Uh, to follow the routine, the periods of sitting, walking meditation uh, and I wish you success in your practice uh, during the day after lunch there'll be a chance to ask some questions and, uh, so you're welcome to put your questions and later at the end of the day there'll be another Dhamma teaching so please uh, use your time well today and I wish you all success in your practice. Annamayam dekhamathaya sa dkarang daramase sadu 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 anumodami.